interesting. But why do you think it's so um, challenging for, for brands to understand it? Or they do understand it, but to implement it? Could it be that uh, music and uh, music, it's such a complex language? Well, I, I think that's... I think that's a part of it. I mean, very often when I'm working with brands, um, you know, and workshopping with them, uh, part of what we're doing is coming up with a common language, mm. you know, finding a way to communicate, uh, you know, what, what are the sonic building blocks? You know, if, if something, oh, I don't think that's exciting enough. Well, the sonic building block for that could be tempo. Mm. Um, it could be rhythm. Uh, it could also be uh, pitch. Mm -hmm. And so when you just have a rudimentary understanding, you don't have to know music theory. You can just, now you're saying, is it too slow? What would happen if we just speed it up a little bit? Mm -hmm. It may be that you don't have to change the entire track. Mm -hmm. All you need to do is play with the, the tempo. So I think language is one thing, but I really think the, the real issue is that there's you know, what I call a value perception gap um, that exists, where on the one hand, nobody argues that music's powerful. Mm. I mean, you know, our whole lives have been soundtracked, we so we can it, think yeah. about, about that. But when it comes to saying, well, how can I measure those outcomes? I think a lot of times, you know, brands, first of all, they're not aware that uh, testing methodologies have exploded, particularly in the audio world. And there are ways that we can contest. But many brands don't really understand um, how to predict and optimize um, the value, not only that they're creating by doing something that's emotionally engaging, but the value they can capture um, through shaping perception and shaping consumer behavior. And so when you have this value perception gap, on the one hand, it's like, okay, I know that's important, but I don't really know how to get there. Um, and I've got these visual assets and I'm worried about the campaign and I just need to get the message out that we need to buy things. Um, and you get all wrapped up in those decisions and then you get to the end of the process and it's, oh yeah, I need my music. Okay, let me just find something and throw it on because I only have a week before this spot is going to going to air. But wait, isn't that very interesting? Because when I did my story research, if you have a brand that spends a lot of money on the visual, right? As you said, he's so stressed to packaging this. And then in the end, he's just throws on the music, which we did testing in the stores. We have a luxury right. brand that sells exclusive, you know, expensive beds. And, and everything is in perfection, but in the stores, they play radio music and suddenly the entire perception, no matter how much money, how much in detail you worked on it, according to me, it totally destroyed. Yes. <laughs> so it's the same here. Like they, they stress so much about the other part that all that work goes to the trash when okay. they're using the wrong messaging through the audio. And so that's why, you know, what you just did was an example of how you would try and close this value perception gap. Mm. Because very often it's just, you know, becoming aware. Mm. And when you help brands understand, you know, brands have KPIs for everything. Mm. 
Um, and very often I would ask a brand in, in initial meetings, well, what are your KPIs for audio? And you'd, you'd see this look of confusion on their face where they're trying to, a KPI for audio? What's, what's that? I said, well, I'm sure you have KPI for your advertising. You have KPI where you're looking at, you know, brand linkage and you're looking at how do you get that through your distinctive assets like your visual logo. Well, yeah, but you don't have a KPI for audio. Um, and so very often I encourage brands to, to develop KPIs around what I call, um, I, I've kind of defined them as the, the three pillars of sound business. Um, and one of those is the, the pillar of engagement. And that's usually how we're using music all the time anyway. You know, it's how can we, um, you know, capture someone's attention? How can we create an emotion? Mm. Um, so we talk about engagement, but I flip engagement a little bit because I think engagement is actually a meaningless metric unless you have a behavioral outcome associated with it. Mm. So when I say engagement, I'm talking about behavior. So what's your KPI for sound in terms of the behavior you're trying to encourage? How are you using sound to shape that behavior? So you have a KPI there. The other KPI is in the pillar of identity, which is the pillar of perception. Mm. And so everybody's using brand music and sound for engagement, but are you thinking about how it's communicating your brand identity? So what do you want to communicate there? What's the KPI? You know, is it, is it recall of an audio logo? Is it something around the brand theme? Is it something to do with recognition or feelings around a voice? How are you aligning your brand intent with consumer perception? Mm -hmm. And then the third pillar is um, the pillar of, of management, which really speaks to equity. Mm -hmm. So what that's looking at is how are you using sound to produce equity in two ways. First, brand equity. Um, and we know from all the marketing research, um, the, the most famous being uh, the study by uh, Les Bonnet and Peter Field that looked at two different kinds of messaging. Short-term messaging, which is really just about sales activation, and very often in audio-only advertising, that's usually what it is. There's a voiceover that's saying, we're doing a promotion this week. Buy one, get one free. Come now. It's the lowest price ever. It's always out there. And this is what you need. It's almost like screaming at you. Yeah. Um, and what Peter and Les found was that this is a, it's, it's effective, but in the short term, it produces a little sales spike, but then it drops off and yeah. you've got to get back. And, and it's just this kind of up and down. But when they looked at the econometric data of brands that did more long-term brand building, which is really a less about this rational appeal and more about developing an emotional connection over time. Yeah. They found that brands that engaged in this kind of messaging and advertising produced twice the revenue um, than brands that were solely focused on short-term advertising. So you have to have a have a ratio and less than Peter, you know, we're suggesting, you know, 60, 40, 60 percent um, long-term brand building, 40 percent short-term sales um, activation. But the, the point of all of this is if you think about engagement and perception in terms of building your brand equity through salience, recognition, um, sound can do that in a short, in a long-term 
um, advertising, but even in the short term, if you've got sound that helps the brand be recognized, you're still doing some brand building there. And then the other piece of equity that, that not a lot of brands think about is that very often, you know, when you're producing particularly a sonic identity, um, this is intellectual property. Mm. There's a copyright involved. Yeah. You can trademark your audio logo. Uh, you can copyright your brand theme. Uh, and it works differently uh, in different um, parts of, of the world. But brands very often don't realize that they can actually generate royalty revenue from their audio properties. Mm. If they have a brand theme that's used in their commercial every time it plays, oh, they can that's, make oh. that's earning money. Interesting. And they, they just haven't thought about how to register themselves as a publisher, how to, you know, collect those royalties. They're not spending any more for it, but that can offset costs. So that's, you know, building equity in your property. So this idea of KPIs, if you have a KPI for behavior, a KPI for perception, a KPI for equ equity, now you're beginning to think, oh, I've got a KPI. I need to be measuring these outcomes. Yeah. And once brands start doing that, this, the, value perception gap closes very quickly. And any choice of music now is, okay, I'm gonna license this from a music library. How much does that cost? Is it building brand equity at all? What's it doing to my perception, behavior? Okay, now I have a way of starting to think about, is there a return on an investment? Mm -hmm. I'm gonna license a, a huge track from an artist. Well, okay, that's gonna cost a lot of money. Is that going to engage consumers? Perhaps. Will it build brand identity? Well, it might actually increase the equity of the artist and not the equity of the brand. And maybe in some situations, that's money that's not well, well spent. So this KPI and this model kind of closes this value perception gap and gets brands thinking about music and sound differently and changes their behavior towards it. And, and this, is this a role in the company that similar way that social media manager has become a role in a company that companies more should, you know, start looking at hiring an audio scientist and audio identity experts, or is that on the same table as the marketing manager? I think I, I think within most corporate structures, you know, I mean, in, in a, in a larger brand, you know, where you have, you know, let's say for instance, a brand like Coca-Cola, which in some ways is less a, a soda company and more of a marketing company yes. now, mm -hmm. you know, you, you could have, you know, a, a specialist in sound that's looking at not only from a marketing perspective, you know, in terms of the identity piece, but maybe in terms of experiential, maybe in terms of product development, maybe in terms of some innovative technologies. You know, in, in that world, yes, you could have somebody that might be on the marketing arm, might be in the R&D arm, you know, could be a, a, a sonic scientist or a sonic psychologist, if you will. But I think even in smaller brands, um, this is an area that should just fall underneath whoever is in charge of marketing and is in charge of the brand perception and the brand connection to consumers. Mm -hmm. Because you've already got standards in place for your visual guidelines, no doubt. Most brands have, if not a brand book, at least a style guide. So they know, 
here's our brand colors and it's these specific colors and here's our brand logo and here's how you're going to see it and use yeah. it. You don't ever use it this way, but use it this way. Here's our font that we use. Mm -hmm. And so you're making sure that whenever a communication goes out visually, it's always consistent. And so really all you need to do it on a baseline is just apply that exact same thing to sound. So now you're not just thinking about visually how you're being consistent. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about sonically how you're being consistent. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned this in one of your earlier um, descriptions of people walking into a store and hearing the background music. And if it's something that's just playing on the radio, um, you know, chances are it's not fitting yeah. any other brand communication. And I often talk about on hold music. Because I know brands that have actually done the work to be really consistent. They've developed assets, but they haven't thought about the fact that they have an entire sonic ecosystem. They've never bothered to map it. And so, you know, on hold becomes this area that they don't think about. And a customer calls in and all of a sudden, all this work that the brand has done to create an experience goes yeah. out the window. You know, yeah. you are now in a whole other universe that just doesn't make sense and can have a huge impact on your perception um, of, of the brand. Uh, and so again, it's, it's, it's about attention and having whoever is the brand steward, um, just thinking about audio as much as they're thinking about the visual aspects. Yeah, um, it really is that simple. As uh, see themselves as the customer, so put yourself sure. in your all different kind of audio touch bases. Sit yes. in the phone, go into the store, and and figure out what story are we telling with that kind of sound, yes. right? And. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and that's what I also try to say to brands is, for example, uh, I, I always use Volvo as an amazing uh, example. A few years ago, they started um, putting amazing, you know, costly uh, music into their commercials. And I would say that the, uh, car companies and car commercials is actually one of the best ones. I don't like really driving, but when you when you see it, when with the music, you're just feeling, you know, wow, the drive. However, what I believe that brands, it's almost what, like you're talking about that they're not good at is bringing the same feeling and experience in all touch bases and that's like right. the same as i would say volvo is not doing properly hey volvo but it's it's like they're not bringing that feeling that experience to their showrooms yes. when you're actually because we all do commercials because we want people when they are in the store that's when they do the purchase decision, more or less. I mean, mm -hmm. they said that the two thirds of um, decisions are made in stores, but of course some people already saw it maybe on TV. So why don't they prolong that and really bring the entire experience until they're in the store, they're sitting in the car themselves and remembering the, you know, the commercial and pang, yes, I want to buy that one and not the other one because we buy, we mostly buy because of that feeling, right? Right. And, you know, you're talking about these, these consumer touch points and, and many brands, you know, they map out their consumer journey. Mm. You know, where does the, does the consumer first hear about the brand? What's next in that, you know, what's the funnel that ultimately gets them down to, to purchase? Yeah. And, you know, as, as I am often fond of saying to, um, 
to brands and advertisers and agencies, anybody who's working with sound, um, you know, this, this isn't rocket science. <laughs> it's science, but it's not rocket science. And they're already practicing some of these behaviors. All they need to do is reframe sound in that context. Mm -hmm. So you think about that consumer journey, where are all the audio touch points along the way? And how can you create a unified experience, whether it's in your commercials, whether it's in uh, the app that somebody uses, uh, whether it's in store, whether it's something with the product. Mm -hmm. And that's particularly important, you know, during this pandemic, particularly for retail brands, where, you know, you no longer have the opportunity to maybe visit the, the stores. Yeah. Uh, and so how are you creating a similar experience in a virtual mm. environment? Mm. Um, and, you know, I think these are challenges, but, you know, the challenges to me are the exciting pieces. That's where the creativity is. Yeah. You know, uh, you know I'm, I'm often uh, fond of, of talking about creativity in the context of chaos. Um, and by chaos, I don't mean, you know, a messy desk, which is what mine is right now, if you could look at it. But I mean chaos in the, in the, the true sense of, um, you know, what happens when something that's always worked one way no longer works that way. Yeah. You know, you go to open a door and it's opened a hundred times before, but now it's not opening. Well, you've got to get to the other side. Well, this is where creativity comes in. You know, it's, it's about finding dots, connecting them, disconnecting them, connecting them, you know, again. Mm -hmm. uh, and so a lot of these problems, it's just looking at things through um, a sonic lens, mm -hmm. you know, and what are the sonic dots that are here? How can I connect them? Um, you know, how can I map them out? And, and, and it's a very, it's a simple process. It takes time and energy uh, and you can test things along the way yeah. Uh, to help make sure, you know, you're making more objective decisions than just responding, you know, with personal tastes and, and preferences. Um, but uh, it's, it's a journey that most marketers are very familiar with. Mm -hmm. They've just never stopped to ask the question, oh, what does my brand sound like? Yeah. Oh, yeah. how could I capture attention with sound? Oh, what are my competitors doing with sound? Is there a unique space I can occupy? Yeah. You know, and, and so it's all these questions that you're always thinking about as a marketer, just reframing them to think about them in the context of sound.